Um, that's all the announcements I've got. I, I want to introduce to you someone. We have a guest speaker today. His name is Derek Bocamp. He's a friend of ours uh, from a number of years ago. Derek uh, was a youth pastor and a young adult pastor in Las Vegas for a handful of years. And then about four or five years ago, he moved down to uh, Prescott and has been working at United Christian Youth Camp as a leader over there. Uh, so uh, if, you, if you have students in our student ministry, They've probably been to one of the camps that Derek has helped to put on over at UCYC. He does a great job there. He loves students and young adults. He loves the church, and we're just honored to have him here uh, sharing and encouraging us uh, today. So would you give a warm welcome to Derek? Thanks, Matt. All right. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, I am really glad to get to be here. I get to spend time with your students and uh, your young adults throughout the year. And so it's good to be with the whole church family. And uh, in a lot of ways, I kind of see myself as a, a brother uh, in the ministry, just a couple of towns over. And so it's great to get to come here today uh, and spend some time with you guys. And I'm really looking forward to kind of what God's going to do in our time together. So I've had the chance to watch online the last couple of weeks and uh, really be clued in on where we're at. And we're in a series called Grace is Greater. And basically what we're saying is that no matter where you're at on the spectrum that is life, whether it's great things, whether it's hard things and everything in between, every circumstance, situation, thing you find yourself in, that the grace of God is greater than all of that. And so we're looking at some statements each week that are kind of truths that we can anchor into so that we can grow as a community of people called the church. And so what we're looking at today is that grace is greater than my weakness. Grace is greater than my weakness. And here's going to be our focus uh, that we're going to kind of build out on. The focus is our weakness is God's strength. Our weakness is God's strength. A couple of weeks ago, I had a really cool opportunity. Because I work at UCYC, which is a camp, uh, I have the opportunity to do lots of fun outdoor stuff. I love the outdoors. It's one of my favorite things. And we have all of the gear and equipment to go whitewater rafting anytime we want. So I talked with a couple of people and I said, we should get a trip together. Let's figure out how to, how to make this happen. Let's bring the interns or something, then we can all go. And so we're talking about this trip and it quickly evolves from a, a one day white water rafting trip to a three day white water rafting and camping trip through the Grand Canyon. That's what you call zero to a hundred, okay? Now, I haven't done a lot of this, but I was really excited. So 16 of us went down, our interns, kind of the people who lead them, and then a couple of river guides. And I say that lightly. There are people on our staff who know what a river is, and so we call them guides. And we go down there, and the first day is awesome. It's a blast. It's like little itty-bitty rapids and stuff. And, you know, you feel like Indiana Jones right away. And you're feeling great. And you're pumped. And you're, you're hyped and all that. And so first day goes great. The second day is where you cut your teeth. Second day is where the real rapids are at. And so there's this rapid on the second day that they call the fang. Now... <laughs> It's not called the fang because it's really nice and sweet. It's called the fang because it sits in the middle of a rapid. And it's shaped like a fang. 
and it comes about seven feet out of the water and like points towards you. So the goal is, is no matter what, don't hit the... Exactly. So we pull over before we even get to this rapid. This is the kind of rapid that you scout out ahead of time, right? And everyone gets on shore and pretends they know what they're talking about. Like, well, you know, judging by the flow right now, I've been here before. It's April. What? You know, like, you know, and everyone's trying to share all this information. And, you know, I'm like there. I'm like, that's called a wave and that's called a current. And so uh, we're walking it all through, and we basically come up with a game plan. The fang is in the center of the river. We're not going to hit the fang. Run the play. And so we decide we're going to go as far left as we can to basically bounce around the fang because the rapids and the way the current moves pushes you directly in. So we get in our boats, and we're moving towards the fang, and uh, we're, trying to, we're starting to get into the rapid. And on the back of each boat, these are white water rafts. You have a paddle captain and that paddle captain uses their oar as a rudder to steer the boat, and their job is to be confident, calm, collected, and kind of lead you through this rapid. So our paddle captain starts talking as we enter in the rapid, and we're going up and down, and we're feeling good, and adrenaline's pumping, and paddle captain's like, dig, 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 and we're all into it. You know, that dig is just get, get in there and really paddle hard. So we're all digging, and it's awesome, and we're splashing around, and the, our boat is turned left. Everything's going great, and then the paddle captain starts to go, dig, dig, dig. I'm like, he sounds frantic, but like everything is moving. It's been six seconds. I aged 25 years. And so it feels like you've been out there for an eternity. Dig, dig. He escalates it even more. Our boat is turned left, but we're moving towards the fang. He upgrades. He says, dig or die. (laughs) Dig or die. I'm like, I don't want to die. I'm paddling air at this point. There's not even water. We're moving rapidly towards the seven-foot rock called the fang that sticks out. And right as we are about to hit it, something crazy happened. We hit it full speed. (laughs) We hit it full speed. And so in a moment of pure manhood and strength, here's what I said. I said, are we on the fang? (laughs) Our paddle captain has completely lost himself. He's yelling, oh no, oh God, no which is the least inspiring thing I've ever heard in my life, by the way. So I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not the captain of this ship. I jumped off. I don't have to go down with the ship. I just bail like a little fish, throw my paddle. They told me to hold on to it, forget that. And instantly the water's like 45 degrees. So all the air just sucks out of my lungs. We talked about safety for about 10 seconds before we started this whole ill-advised trip. But I do remember they said, don't panic. So... I come to the top of the water, I put my feet out. The rapid's probably three football fields long. We've done one football field. I have two more to go, so I swim this rapid. And our boat was the first one through. So there was no one to pick me up. The other boat was stuck on the fang. We get through the rapid, and I'm just kind of floating a quarter of the mile down the river because it's the Grand Canyon. There's nowhere to stop. And the, paddle, the guy on our motor rig pulls up to me, and he, he looks at me, this is again, really inspiring group, he looks at me and says, who's your daddy? <laughs> I said, the fang's my daddy, <laughs> right? 
And so it's, it's a goofy story, right? But here's what I've noticed is that uh, as, as I've gotten a little older, I think back to when I was a kid and each day had different weaknesses and different things that you weren't great at that were brought before you and you had different skills that you're trying to develop. But the older we get, the less we do things out of our comfort zone. We don't like when we have weaknesses. And I personally like to have it all together. So the idea of not doing that felt really uncomfortable to me. To have a weakness felt vulnerable. Why is that? Here's the statement, and if you're following along uh, in your notes, there's a couple of fill in the blanks for you. No worries if you're not doing that, but here's why. We live in a culture that wants perfection. We live in a culture that wants perfection. So, in America, 2018, our society is a performance-based society, which basically is to say that your stat sheet matters. And so many of us in our culture as a whole are living a kind of constant cycle of trying to measure up to what we think we need to be, which is set by culture. So we're trying to have the picture of a perfect family. We're trying to have the perfect job, the perfect setup, the perfect house. If you think about the meteoric rise of social media in the last 10 years, I have to think that there's a connection there because the entire platform of social media is built on being able to present the perfect image of you. It's an entire platform that is designed to let you moderate your weaknesses and display your strengths. And we as a culture like that very much, don't we? Right, so if you were to look at my social media, for example, you'd be able to see all these cool moments and awesome stuff and great thoughts and great conversations, but what it can never capture is moments of weakness, moments of anxiety, moments of stress. Right, we live in a culture that wants perfection. So what's the side effect of that? To have any type of weakness is seen as a deficiency. We've all been around people, right? And we've done this, where when they start to like share, like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm glad you asked. You're like, ooh, I'm not anymore, right? <laughs> Let's just be real. We see weakness as something often people. So when we say the statement that there is grace in weakness, do you see how those two are objects moving at each other that have to clash with the world we live in? That's the space that we operate in. And so here's the side effect, and I am so guilty of this. Many of us long ago in our childhood when we felt shame or when we started to fail at things, we picked up a mask that had everything written on it that we thought we needed to be, and we put that mask on. And we wear that all the time, and it says strong, it says no fear, it says provider, it says whatever it needs to say for you to feel perfect. And the longer we live, the more that mask cracks. And we realize that in fact, maybe this quest for perfection that we've been on for so long is leading us towards weakness. All of us have weaknesses, right? So across the board, some of them are lighthearted weaknesses. You're not organized. You can't just put your clothes in the laundry basket, right? Like some of you are like, yeah, preach Holy Spirit, you know, nudging. Uh, we all have weaknesses. Some of them are more serious. 
Some of us are uh, not able to be organized. Some of us are not able to uh, tackle things. Some of us have a short temper. We all have weaknesses. But again, we try to kind of keep these from one another. I was speaking at a retreat this last weekend, and there's about 40 people from all different walks of life, from young adults uh, and, and any time after that, all different occupations, And we were going around the room and we were talking about what keeps you from a deeper intimacy with God. And one by one, people started to share this, that they didn't think God could love them because of who they were. That was the statement. Because of this deficiency I have, because of this weakness I have, and so I asked the question to this room of people who have been following the faith longer than I have, no more than I do. I said, who here struggles with accepting that God can love you even if you're not perfect. And everyone's hand went up. And this is the trick and the trap that we live in in 2018 is we think we're the only ones. We think we're the only ones that don't have it all together and this block keeps us from each other and it keeps us from God. There's an answer that's found in the Bible as to why we so desperately want to... um, be perfect. And that's what we're going to look at in the rest of our time together. We're going to look at how God's grace invades weakness. If you're a follower of Jesus, my hope is that our next couple minutes encourage and lift and spur you on towards uh, just a greater love for the Lord. If you're a questioner or not sure what you believe, we are glad you're here. And I pray that this might be the answer you're looking for. Here's why we want to be perfect. We want to be perfect because if you look at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, God has a perfect plan for us. God designed humans, all of us, to be in perfect harmony with him. This was God's good and right design. So we'll keep using the analogy of the boat here. How God designed it was for us to be on the boat with him, and when we're on the boat, all things are right. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, sin, like a tidal wave, comes crashing in to the human story. And when sin occurs, we are separated from God. We are no longer in perfect community with him, and therefore we are weak, we are messed up, we're sinners. So we fall off the boat. Now, the story of the Old Testament of the Bible is that because God is good and loving and just, and because he cares for his creation, he sends numerous life rafts to us. So he steps to the edge of the boat, and he says, here's the sacrificial system. If you sacrifice the right things when you sin, you're going to be in perfect harmony with me. Now, because we're weak, because we're not perfect, what do we do? Just push that lifeboat away. So God says, fear not, I love my people. I'm going to give you the Mosaic law. Enter the book of Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, where God lays out a code for his people to follow to be in a righteous relationship with him. What do we do? Push it away. So God says, I love them so much, I'm gonna send prophets And these prophets are going to proclaim truth. Isaiah is going to be a voice in the wilderness. And he's going to talk about the tenets of the mighty Lord who loves his people. This is the life raft that they can grab onto. And he throws that out. We push it away. 
So this leaves us in an interesting situation where God has then made the decision to send his son. God sends Jesus. And here's the statement there, is that Christ enters in weakness and makes us right with God through his perfection. So enter Jesus onto the scene in weakness, as a baby, in the meekest form possible. We have Christ Jesus, not born to a noble family, not born in high standing. As a little child, he enters in weakness and lives the perfect life, healing, redeeming, restoring, and not the people that have the right mask on all people. And so effectively what Christ does is because he is one with God, he is on the boat and Christ steps to the edge of the boat. And when Christ goes to the cross for mankind, he leaps off the boat into the ocean that is sin, into the ocean that is weakness and imperfection. And Christ sacrifices himself by going fully into sin, fully under the water and placing us on his shoulders. And the work of the cross is Christ, not by our effort, but by his power and might and grace, lifting us onto the boat. And Christ sacrifices himself. This is the message of the gospel. And so the statement there is that Christ does not come for the perfect. He doesn't come to earth for the people who have it all together, the people that are already on the boat. He does not come for the perfect. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, here's what it says. It says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That's the apostle Paul talking to one of his pupils, one of his students, Timothy. He says, hey, remember this, if nothing else, Jesus came to save the broken, the weak, the not all together. That's who our God is. He doesn't come for the people who put on the best face, who carry the best profile, who have it the most together. He comes for all people. With every high and every low that you've ever had, that's who Christ comes from, and that is the trust worthy phrase. The Apostle Paul had every reason to boast, and he talks about this regularly. He says often, I have every reason to boast. He was uh, a great teacher in the Jewish faith. He converts, obviously, to Christianity through Christ. He's the one who brings the gospel to the Gentiles, but here's what he recognizes, is that in his weakness, there's actually power, and he teases that out throughout his writings. The one we're going to look at is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Paul's picking up right after he's talked about the very famous thorn in the flesh. He says, I have this thorn in the flesh. And there's a lot of scholarship as to what that could mean. Uh, kind of 10 different authors will say 10 different things there. But he says, I have something that keeps me weak. We can connect with that. We all have those things. So he's picking up and he's saying what Jesus responded to him. Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now here's what Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. That last verse, for when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Have you ever considered this? That when we don't measure up, it's actually an invitation from God 
to have faith in him. It's actually a reminder that Derek Bocamp is not CEO of his own life, not Lord of the universe, thank goodness, after that river story. <laughs> that when Paul says that when I am weak, then I am strong in Christ, it's an invitation for us in present day that when we are weak, we are receiving the grace of God. That when we are weak, there's a picture of the Lord that begins to take shape. So there's kind of three things that come out of this that are going to kind of inform the rest of our time, uh, and then we're done. Paul makes this decision to boast about his weaknesses, to pull off the mask. And I, I think that he kind of teases out three ways that are appropriate for us today. You and I can be weak before God. We can be weak before God. We just talked about 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, that it is a, a, a phrase worth remembering that Christ came to save sinners. Can I tell you guys something? God knows everything about you. Everything. Every good thought, every bad thought. He knows everything you think, feel, dream, and hope for. Can I tell you something else? He's not surprised. There's nothing you've thought that God went, oh no, throw him off the boat. God has never thought that about you. Can I tell you something else? He loves you. He loves you. He loves you with every strength and every weakness that you've ever held. Every insecurity, everything that was put into you as a child that scarred you for a long time, God sees that and God loves you. Now, how freeing would it be if we had that kind of relationship with the Lord, where we were just open with our weakness before him? So here's my challenge for you this week. Whether your prayer life is constantly going and you're the unceasing person of prayer, or whether it's been a while since you phoned home kind of thing, wherever you're at on that spectrum, here's my challenge for you this coming week. Will you speak honestly with God about your weaknesses? Let me share what this looks like for me. I'll knock myself down a couple of pegs here. I go through my day and wicked thoughts pop into mind all the time. So I'm always trying to talk to God and I'll just say things like, Lord, right now I feel prideful. Lord, like I, I'm thinking really highly of myself and God, you say that blessed are the humble, so check my heart on this, Lord. Like help me to love the people around me. Help me to see them as greater than me. Help me to treat them how I'd want to be treated. God, check my heart. Let's get more real. Lord, right now, I feel lustful. God, like, I don't feel like I have what it takes to be a man after your heart, but that's what I want. So God, like, I know if left to my own devices, I'm going to fail miserably. So God, like, will you be with me in this weakness? Like, will you guide me through this? It is so freeing to speak to God openly about my weaknesses. I'm not trying to hide it from him. That's my challenge for you this week is when those pop into mind, just share with the Lord. And they don't need to be these profound moments. Just talk to them. We can be weak before God. Here's the second one. We can be weak with ourselves. <laughs> How much of our lives is wasted on the hamster wheel of trying to measure up to what we think we need to be? <laughs> How much of life? You see, the gospel frees us up 
to be weak with ourselves. When Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong, at the end of those verses, he is tapping into one of the most powerful truths in Christianity. No other worldview holds what I'm about to tell you. The worldview that we are taught through the scriptures in Christianity is completely unique in that it says that God prizes the people who are not enough. Every other worldview says, if you do this, then you fit in. Christianity stands alone as a city on a hill that says, you don't do those things, and yet you fit in. And we can accept that, that, oh my gosh, I am never going to be everything I think I need to be. And yet, God loves me. So therefore, when I am weak, I am strong in Christ. Anytime you start to get down on yourself, this could be another practice if this is a struggle for you to just be honest with yourself. When you start to get down on yourself, man, I'm not good at this. Man, I just really messed that situation up. Hey, just think this to yourself. Thank goodness for God's grace. Thank goodness for God's grace. He still got you. He still loves you. And here's, uh, here's the last one there. We can be weak with others. We can be weak with others. So we've kind of pointed out these three things that we can be weak before God, we can be weak with ourselves, and then we can be weak with others. The gospel of Jesus Christ frees us from needing to project this perfect image that we talked about at the beginning. And in fact, the Christian community is an incredibly powerful engine because it's a collection of imperfect people. And what we teach, and we are all on the journey to this, is no matter who you are, that you're accepted in this community. Are we a people who allow others to be weak around us, to not measure up? It's part of the gospel. Just one book earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about how we are the body of Christ. And he gives some funny examples of you wouldn't expect a leg to be the brain. You wouldn't expect your hands to digest the food. In the same way, we are all a collective of strengths and of weaknesses. And together, we form this body that we call the church that then serves the world. So together with our collective weaknesses and strengths, we are part of what God is doing. My fear in our day of increasingly privatized relationships with God and we don't share and that's weird is that we are missing out on the massive blessing of Christian community that allows us to bear one another's burdens and allows us to not be enough around each other. So let me give you one final kind of practical question or challenge to chew on. Are there people in your lives that you can be honest with about your failings and your shortcomings? Is there someone in your life who you can share this with who is with you in that? Or are you walking around bottled up so tight, just waiting to burst? As a man, I recognize that the way that God has specifically wired men is to be providers and to be strong. So I will say that this is a particularly difficult tension for men to share where we feel like we're not enough but men, when we gather in godly community and do that, we allow incredible things to happen. So my encouragement would be is to share openly. 
And if we begin to do this, we become that city on a hill. We become the sweet aroma of the gospel. Whatever you would apply, that's what we become. And people say, what is it that those people have? And we say, we have the perfect Jesus. We have the perfect Christ, the perfect sacrifice. And by the way, we're a bunch of messed up people, but we have the perfect God. Families change, schools change, communities change. That's where we start to see real shifting happen is not by all of our posturing to be perfect, but by people seeing the imperfection and being so stirred by that that they want to be part of it. That's my hope and that's my goal. One last story and then, then I'm done. I have a hobby that came from my parents. My parents both like gardening and so I have a bit of a green thumb and I like to go to Lowe's or Home Depot and I call this the death rack. It's the rack with all the plants that they're gonna throw away. Death rack, start getting that going. And usually they're like a dollar and there's two little leaves and one day I grabbed this plant and it had just two little like floppy leaves that said a dollar. I was like, sure. I like to bring them back to life. This is my hobby. And so I go up to check out and I, the lady says, that'll be a dollar. And then she looks at the plant and she goes, oh, sweetie. No, you can have it. <laughs> oh, shucks. Thank you so much. So I go home, and I, I, again, I like this. So I start to take care of it. I start to do all the right things, change the soil, get it all good to go. And this is three years ago, and the plant starts to grow, and the plant starts to flourish. And now it sits on top of my fireplace, and from its two little crummy leaves, it's probably got 300 leaves now. And from the base to the longest vine, it's nine feet long. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> About that long. Now, I think this, that if that plant could have talked to me three years ago, it probably would have said, why even bother? Why even bother? I'm just a stupid, I'm worthless, I'll never measure up, all this. And as someone who just likes plants, I would say, no, it's worth it for me to try. I see what you are now, but I also see what you can become. Now, if I think that way about that silly little plant, how much more does the father of the universe think that about you? How much more does he see what you're becoming and still love you where you're at right now? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this time, for this church family. Lord, I just pray that you'd get in our hearts, honestly, about strengths and weaknesses. And God, help us to just respond with grace. Help us to talk honestly with you this week. God, help us to remind ourselves of the goodness of your grace. And Lord, put people in our lives that we can be transparent with. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts and in our communities and that this would be a draw for people who know that they need the perfect Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.